Welcome to Working Class Heroes Radio, a show by working people about working people in New York City. My name is Lupita Romero, and I'm your host for tonight. My name is Leah Ramirez, and I'm your correspondent. If you've been listening to our shows for the last couple of weeks, you know that we have been focusing on housing issues across the city during this pandemic. And tonight's show will actually keep focusing on that but we're going to be talking about NYCHA, which is New York City Public Housing, and the issues that tenants have been dealing with there because of the pandemic. What you're going to hear next is a clip from a rally outside of City Hall regarding some of these issues. By putting no money in his executive budget, Governor Cuomo is telling us that he wants public housing to fail. Many remember oh too well the several trips Governor Cuomo made to NYCHA developments when he was running for re-election in 2018, bemoaning the lead paint, the broken boilers, the incompetence. I would like to say it's my pleasure to be here today, but uh, it's not. The conditions we saw once again are just disgusting. Now they want to hold the governor's feet to the fire. When the people in power need our vote, they make tremendous promises. But once they're in office, they don't need us anymore. That clip was before COVID-19, something like three months ago, right after Governor Cuomo decided not to include any money for NYCHA and his executive budget. And this was after he campaigned extensively around the issues in NYCHA. Yeah, and from what I understand, this lack of funding has actually gone on for decades. Um, I remember Growing up, when I first came to the U.S., I, I actually thought that NYCHA was luxury housing because of all of the amenities that are available to tenants in NYCHA that are not available for private tenants, um, like the laundromats, the playgrounds, the overall uh, maintenance of the building really made it seem like it was um, high-quality housing. That makes sense that you thought that because originally NYCHA was built as quality housing for New Yorkers and it's only been through decades of disinvestment by the federal level that NYCHA has been is come to be known as what it is today in terms of like the lack of repairs, the mold and lead issues. A recent study that was done stated that NYCHA needed something around $32 billion in capital needs. And this is something that most public officials agree with. In fact, I've heard that Jomani Williams, our public advocate, has named NYCHA the worst slumlord in the city for two years in a row. And that's knowing that NYCHA is one of the biggest landlords in New York City and is actually home to one in 15 New Yorkers. The solution for disinvestment that is being put forward by politicians in the real estate industry is a program called RAD which stands for the Rental Assistance Demonstration. And basically this enables a public housing authority to be leased to a private management company. And they do this by converting to Section 8 to get the much needed repairs. So overall, the solution is just to privatize public housing. That doesn't seem like a solution at all. And I understand that a lot of these issues have existed before the pandemic, but I'm wondering how has COVID-19 affected these tenants and these issues? Basically, COVID-19 has made the inequality in public housing way worse. 
there are currently over 61,000 senior citizens who live in Aisha, along with high asthma rates. Just this Monday, the mayor released a report that stated over 1,200 nature residents have died due to COVID-19. That is an unbelievably high number, especially given that it's in the span of two months that 1,200 people have died in these buildings. So I'm really wondering how we're tenants pushing back on this right now. That's exactly why I'm excited about tonight's interview. I will be speaking with Jasmine Sanchez a NYCHA tenant and organizer who's lived in NYCHA her entire life. So she can really speak to how the lack of federal investment has really impacted the overall living conditions in NYCHA, along with how tenants are fighting back and some of the mutual aid efforts that she's been involved in for NYCHA tenants and the Lower East Side. Jasmine sounds like a badass. I can't wait to listen to this. Where do you currently live? I live on the Lower East Side of Manhattan in Baruch Houses, which is the second largest NYCHA development with close to 9,000 residents. I've lived in NYCHA my entire life. That's going on 41 years. And my grandparents, when they came from Puerto Rico, their building on Orchard Street was set on fire by the landlord. Um, so fortunately for them, they were the first tenants in this apartment that I've lived in my entire life. NYCHA has provided a home for my family for over 60 years. Have you noticed your community shifting or changing since you were younger? Yeah, so the community outside of public housing has drastically changed. Um, the residents are the same within the NYCHA developments, but right across the street, we see the um, displacement of folks that lived there in the 60s and 70s and you know they've had to move out of Manhattan into the Bronx but we've seen uh, rapid gentrification even though they say that they're gonna build affordable units the question has always been affordable for who when um, the going rate for that would be like two thousand three thousand dollars to live in the same community and people can't afford that um, so we have seen that happen and that's something that's by design you know we've seen that with like obviously um redlining the lack of investment in services and then um, we don't have the same small businesses that were present um you know it, it has changed this used to be a place for community it's a place where everyone knew your name and i always say that it's like it feels it felt like cheers like wherever i went they were like jasmine or they'll be like oh anna you know they'll call my grandmother and now i'm like walking around gotta watch my back like where am i going not because i'm scared but because it looks different to me because things have changed um but that's just something that that we've seen it's it's not the same um, you, you don't have that sense of community anymore. And although we try to stick so hard to, you know, being a unit, um, it's, it's difficult when, when there's a lot of shifts and folks feel like they're helpless and that they're forgotten and that their voices don't matter. And the folks who feel that way are people of color, low income communities, the undocumented communities. And that's what we've had on the Lower East Side of Manhattan for decades. But now it's not like that anymore. And um, we've seen it changed. So your family's been in NYCHA for a really long time. So during that time, have you noticed the conditions changing over the years? Yeah, definitely. Um, I remember as a child being able to uh, 
go outside because the the maintenance of the property was kept up by management um playing in the playgrounds without fear of getting cut by anything on the grounds um being able to access the elevator and the stairwell without having to cover my nose because it was all cleaned um it's mostly the upkeep of the exterior and the crumbling infrastructure that I've seen a, a drastic one disinvestment, but um, where I've seen the most um, change in. And I don't remember as a little girl, my grandmother having to call NYCHA to repair anything because the buildings were, were fine in regards to like their repairs. If she did, they would arrive within the next day and it would be taken care of. And that's something that we don't see now where, you know, NYCHA is uh, purposely closing out tickets and not coming to make the repairs when they're supposed to and, you know, taking residents to court for non-payment, but then when residents take them to court um, and they're given 90 days to make the necessary repairs, they don't even adhere to that. So I think that there's been a shift in the management of NYCHA, um, regardless of the funding or not. I think that the overall values of what that leadership looks like has pretty much put the profit over the people that they're supposed to be investing in. And we've seen that. I know there have been a lot of NYCHA buildings that have um, been converted to Section 8. Are there, are there efforts by tenants currently organizing around that? Um, the city is actually pushing for privatization and trying to convert, as you mentioned, um, into Section 8, those uh, residents. And we've seen a lot of organization around that. Um, there are a lot of demands, like independent towers in uh, Brooklyn. Like, even though I believe they're currently being privatized, the tenant association there is very involved to what that actually looks like and how that benefits the people. So I think that even though like sometimes folks feel like this is going to happen anyway, we have to control what we can. And that negotiation is having us at the table to really say what we're going to accept or not. And if we don't accept, then you're not going to be able to do this and we're going to fight back. But I think a lot of the TAs have been able to work with their local elected officials and really strategize as to how they're going to push back on this development. Um, I personally am against RAD. I, I don't think that it benefits anyone. There's a lot of sections that are there that people don't even read when they're going over to Section 8. Um, NYCHA residents are under Section 9, which means that we're federally protected. Section 8 is not federally protected. So if they were to defund Section 8, where are those people going to go? How are they going to pay for those units? And I think that that's like the, the reason why a lot of folks are fighting. Like, you cannot privatize public housing. You can't. You can't do that. I wonder if they know the history. Because it's not a mystery why they put us by the water. I wonder if they know his story. No road to glory in these tenements. From the first of immigrants to war vets. I'm perplexed how this now became our project. Where street lights lead to the way home. And you look down the hallways to see your dreams escape. What has the conditions in NYCHA been since COVID-19? And has that made it more difficult to get repairs, whatever repairs that you were able to get previously? Oh my God, let's talk about that, right? Um, so I, I feel personally, and a lot of folks feel this way, that NYCHA 
was not, is not, and will never be prepared for a major crisis like COVID-19. They were unprepared for Superstorm Sandy, and my community was hit very hard by that. We were out for about seven weeks, um, and this was worse in Far Rockaway, in the developments out there. Um, for COVID-19, um, we've seen water outages in a time when they expect us to be cleaning our hands. There has been less um, pickups of sanitation from NYCHA. I don't even see my worker anymore. So my floor, my stairwell, my elevator, my complex is dirty. Um, there's garbage all over the place. Um, at nighttime, when I walk my dog, the rodents are all over the NYCHA developments because of the trash that's outside. Um, and then when it comes to repairs, they're supposed to be fixing all emergency repairs. And what we find is that when we try to put in a ticket on the My NYCHA app, it tells us that we cannot. And then when we call the CCC number, um, we do not get a representative. So it's hard for us to say, you know, there's a gas leak or we have a water break and no one's gonna come in to make these repairs because uh, they're stating that because of COVID-19, they cannot come in. But we do know that NYCHA has sent out communication indicating that those are major areas that they're going to continue to do work on. Um, one thing that's important to note is that although NYCHA cannot take you to court, we can still file um, suit against NYCHA for lack of repairs, especially those emergency repairs that they're supposed to be making and they're not. So I think that's really important for residents to know because I've gotten calls about, you know, water leaks coming down an entire apartment line and NYCHA has not been there. So they've called like the fire department to come in and try to stop the water. And that's why there's no water in some of these lines because FDNY is making that executive decision to shut it down because NYCHA has failed to make the repairs. NYCHA has been really vocal, right, about steps that they're taking regarding COVID-19. Uh, Greg Russ, the NYCHA chair and CEO, went on local TV, probably saw it, uh, to discuss these efforts. Uh, some of these efforts include weekly cleaning, NYCHA wellness checks to vulnerable tenants, and robocalls to seniors with information about COVID-19. Has this been true in your experience? I do want to be completely honest and fair. I have received those uh, emails. I've received those calls. Um, first, I received them because I registered with my NYCHA app. So since I have the app, I received those notices. I also have an updated telephone number on file. Even in my work in organizing, we've seen specific um, demographics that have access to internet, have access to emails. And what I've seen is the older, like the seniors, they do not have access to emails. They do not have access to internet. So if you're saying that you've sent out 100K, you know, email, emails, whatever the number is, you're not reaching all 600 residents. You're surely not reaching the 81,000 seniors within NYCHA. And, you know, they, they're saying that they're making, you know, efforts to clean um, three times a week, you know, in regular buildings and touch points, high touch points um, in senior buildings. However, the two agencies that have been contracted, they have not been, and I can say personally in my development, they have not been here three times a week, nor in my senior building had they been there five times a week. And I just think that um, they don't have the capacity to do it and they shouldn't pretend. So what are some of the conversations that you've been having with NYCHA tenants? 
around, you know, some of the efforts that NYCHA has been doing in terms of COVID-19 and also for yourself, right? Like, um, what are some, I guess, the concerns that a lot of NYCHA tenants have? Um, a lot of NYCHA tenants have expressed the fact that they have not heard from NYCHA. Um, one, they're, a lot, they're concerns about the obvious repairs and what that looks like. So a lot of residents are still calling in as normal because they have not received communication and they're just wondering when are these repairs going to be made? When are they going to, you know, receive notice back? So a lot of folks are concerned about the lack of not being able to pay and, you know, what will happen. They didn't even know that there was a freeze and NYCHA taking them to court, you know. So once they knew that, they felt a little bit better, but they just still want to follow up on the process on how to do things the correct way. Um, and that is to apply for an interim um, recertification so that they can get a rent hardship. And in the beginning, NYCHA was making it very hard. The problem is that they had to prove that they were without income for two months. And if COVID-19 hit in March and people were let go in March and they're applying for rent hardship in March, there's no way that they could have proved that they were, there was a loss of income for two months because there wasn't. In January, people were still working. So that was a, um, an issue on that part because if you didn't qualify for that and you couldn't prove that, then you weren't able to apply for a rent hardship. However, um, I was recently told, I would say about a week and a half ago, that that has changed. And you do not have to prove that you have been without income for two months. And even that information wasn't shared. This pain is painted with the lead in every public housing unit, with every teardrop shed. Is this another paint chip peeling off? See, he knows the difference between a native and a tourist. It must lie in the tongue. So he adds S to most nouns because we can never have enough of things like moms and pops and liberties and Kennedys and pays attention to the way greetings scratch on sidewalks like chalk. New York, city public housing. Well, his story will never make the news. So is it even history? That piece was entitled His Story by Hervé Alexandre, Stony Tony, and Hattress. You're listening to Working Class Heroes Radio right here on WBAI 99.5 FM. We're speaking with Jasmine Sanchez, a NYCHA tenant and organizer, about conditions in NYCHA, NYCHA's response to COVID-19, and tenant organizing. Let's get back to the interview. So you're currently involved in the Housing Justice for All Coalition. Can you tell us a little bit more about this coalition? Um, Yeah, so I was introduced to the coalition out in some organizing efforts in Queens. And what I know of the work that they've done and the work that I'm involved in now is around NYCHA and rent strikes. And um, I immediately signed on to that because I believe that NYCHA as a whole needs to go on a rent strike pre-COVID based on the fact that we're, we're treated as second-class citizens and we are living in inhumane conditions. And apparently that's okay for the city. So I supported their efforts and their organizing around a NYCHA movement, NYCHA rent strike. And working with them, I've been able to bring that same momentum to the Lower East Side of Manhattan and really start working on um, a rent strike for public housing. As part of that coalition, are there like current demands made um, on NYCHA by tenants? Yes, absolutely. There are, there are several demands. The first demand is that we want rent, um, all arrears 
after the pandemic is over to be completely forgiven. Um, we also want to make sure that once the emergency is lifted in New York State, um, three months after that, no tenants can be taken to court for lack of payment because we know that it's going to take some time for folks to find jobs and we want to make sure that people are not being penalized for a pandemic. Um, we also want to make sure that residents that were formerly um, incarcerated that have been released due to, to the COVID-19, they have immediate access to live with their family members in public housing. So that's kind of what we've been pushing for. So I know that you started a mutual aid group in the Lower East Side. Can you speak more about this? Like, how did you come to create the group and um, what is it that y'all do? So we decided during this crisis that we needed to start taking care of our communities um we saw this with superstorm sandy that our community um didn't have the resources needed um one to check in on our neighbors the infrastructure to check in on our neighbors um and two to provide food on a consistent basis because we saw that a lot of the supermarkets the bodegas like all of these places that we consider to be like home shops um or price gouging <laughs> and we were just like that can't happen especially with people that are on fixed incomes and are are supposed to be providing for like large families so in conversations with a bunch of other NYCHA residents throughout the lower east side we decided that we wanted to do something in the forms of like uh the young lords and also like the black panthers where they were taking care of their communities setting up you know breakfast programs reading programs trash uh um disposal programs and we want to do this not just for COVID-19 or during COVID-19 but we want this to also be post-COVID-19 right because we've seen that the city is not prepared um, and basically what we do is we connect with local pantries and um, we're able to provide meals so far we launched on April 11th so on Monday May 11th actually makes a month and we fed over 1,000 residents on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And for me, that's like huge because this is, um, this is how we support our neighbors and this is how we build community and a village again, right? Because of the gentrification, a lot of folks have moved out, right? But we wanna make sure that we're still here for those that are living here. It has been beautiful to see everyone coming together during this time and providing the services. And even like when we deliver, like some people are just so grateful that like, you don't understand how much we needed this box, how much we needed this bag of food. And sometimes they'll see us and be like, here you go, a propina. And we're like, we do not take tips, keep that. You know, I think that it's been a, uh, a testament in what community relationships can look like and community building can look like. And we want to keep that going. We don't want it just to be during catastrophes. We want to be able to provide that on a consistent basis. Is there a way to support the efforts you're doing? Yeah, so if there's anyone in need in the Lower East Side, East Village, Chinatown area, we do have a bit.ly form, which is bit.ly backslash LES mutual aid. And if there were any donations that wanted to be made, we have Venmo at LES mutual aid and Cash App, which is the dollar sign LES mutual aid. That was such a great interview. Thank you so much, Leah, for that. 
Yeah, Jasmine's story isn't unique. As a public housing advocate, I've heard countless stories from my clients about how their ceiling tiles have fallen in on them and having experienced heat and hot water outages on some of the coldest days of the year. And to the listeners at home, if you're a NYCHA tenant, I would love to hear your story. Give us a call at 929-352-0134. Leave a name, a phone number, and we'll get back to you again. That number is 929-352-0134. That's all we have for tonight's show. Thank you so much for listening. On next week's show, we're going to have Danny Catch interviewing Erin Neff, who's a housing attorney and an activist, and who will be speaking about the rent striking organizing that's happening across the city. And if you want to listen to previous episodes, you can head on over to WCH Radio org, where you can listen to them at any time. And if you like our show and want to support community radio, you can go to WBAI.org and become a WBAI buddy on behalf of Working Class Heroes Radio. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, New York, and as always, in solidarity.